They can never lose the WBC title no matter what weight class they go to. Huh? Brazil Lomachenko. They can never nah, lose it. Nah. Unless they lose it. They can't lose it. They win a fight, they can become undisputed, but they can never that's, lose it. That's figurative. Oh, no, no, no. We got to talk to Al. Top rank got some shit going on. Matter of fact, boxing on some bullshit. Oh, I came at the perfect time. At the perfect goddamn time. At the perfect goddamn time. So, you already know. I'm just trying to figure out how you do your shit at 160. But when we do step in this ring, this ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE. So guys, welcome back to part two. So if you've listened to part one, you kind of know that I've I've touched on where I think things are going wrong in boxing and I've looked at the promoters, I looked at the boxers. I had to pause. My back was absolutely murdering me. So now I can drill into one of the areas I think is often misunderstood and rarely discussed. And it's the role of the trainer slash manager. And the reason I want to include both of them is this. A lot of times for your endeavours in boxing to be profitable as a trainer, you got to manage the guy as well. Because the 10% of a fighter's purse isn't going to cut it when you've got overheads and you've got a family to feed. So you need that additional cut that comes from being a manager. Now, normally guys package it up and say, look, instead of paying 10% plus 25%, just pay 25%, I'll train and manage you for that. Which I think is a fair deal if you've got a reasonably competent manager who's a damn good trainer. Now, if we zero in on Saturday, is that Adam Booth? Whew. It's a tricky one. So let's talk about what's true with Adam. Adam revolutionized British boxing in a lot of ways. He, he took a lot of power away from the established order. And showed that if you've got the right assets, you can dictate a lot of the terms. So you can swing it back in the fighter's favour. And he's earned a reputation for being difficult as a result. But I don't think that makes him difficult. I think that makes him incredibly smart. Adam Booth was also the guy that brought that scientific approach to training. Talking about prehabilitation, talking about rehabilitation, talking about managing training loads. You know, he was the guy that said, why do you have to run when you can do interval training? He, he moved the boxing training discussion forward in Britain in a way that no one had done before. And he opened up that door to say, you can see this from a different perspective. That's what makes Adam Booth special. Now, as a trainer of fighters, as in, if I gave him a kid from zero, do I think Adam could make him a world champion? No. I don't believe Adam Booth has the toolkit at his disposal to take a kid off the street and make him a world champion, like Emmanuel Stewart did, like Brendan Ingle did. Adam Booth hasn't got that. And he hasn't got that because he never had to do that. When Adam got David Hay, David Hay was already fully formed. He had been through the Mick Carney, Billy Webster school. He was already fully formed. He got David when David was knocking out guys like David Starry. And if you just Google David Starry to know how good he was, and David was knocking him out as a teenager. David was also knocking out guys like Crawford Ashley when he was a teenager. 
David was, a lot was expected of David and he was prepared for success well before Adam got involved. He would have been a world champion with anyone. Adam didn't do that much for him. That's just the harsh reality of it. Did David underperform in his career? I'd argue he did. He never had enough fights. He was never really fit in his career. He was always carrying injuries. Is that down to the way Adam used to train? Someone's got to take accountability for that. But what it boils down to is Adam didn't really cut his teeth with years in the amateur circuit. Like Brendan Ingle did. Like Adam Martin did. Like Eddie Lamb did. He didn't cut his teeth. So he doesn't know what it's like to have to flex and adapt an approach and to be in tune with what your fight is doing and all these different backgrounds hitting him. He doesn't because he has a way of working. The David Haything afforded him the luxury of picking and choosing who he could work with. I'm not going to talk about the financial arrangements because, you know, George Groves has talked about that and other people have talked about that. This is just about him as a trainer. There is nothing in Adam Booth's CV that suggests that he can make miracles happen. There's nothing in his CV that suggests that he's in the same breath as an Azeem Richardson, as a Georgie Benton, as a Ronnie Shields, for example, who I think he's probably been training for the same amount of time as Ronnie Shields. And you tell me who you'd rather have in your corner, because I know. Then you look at the back injuries. Hey, spine absolutely shredded. Ryan Burnett, spine shredded. You know, and then the boxers who left because they were like, this, this training is injury-inducing. And I'm not going to say those names because they're still active. And it all points to Adam being a guy who is still living off David Hay and George Groves. But let's just look at that objectively. David massively underperformed. Unified Cruiserweight champion, but generally accepted to be undisputed. Fair enough. Maybe O'Neill Bell would have something to say about that, but that's neither here nor there. You fight value of who, if we're being honest, was terrible. John Ruiz, I mean, who else did he fight at heavyweight? Monty Barrett? But there are no heavyweight wins where you're like, whoa. There are none. Let's remember that. But he made good money, and I'll always respect David for understanding what this game was about. He made good money. George Groves. Anyone other than Chudinov holds the belt. George is never a world champion. Think about this. What George had what? Seven world title fights? Hit the canvas in three of them? Like and was was basically fried in all of them, right? I'm not I'm not making this up. Seven world championship fights and in three of them you are left on the floor. That's not, I don't know if that's underachieving or overachieving. The George Groves I knew coming up through the amateurs was a guy who was like, let's have it. Would that have made him a better, would that have been a better career option? I have no idea. But if you notice against Badu Jack, George became a bit more like that. And he was able to close that gap. And he was unfortunate, well not unfortunate, you know, the judges called it probably the right way. But there's nothing in Adam's record that's amazing. Okay? 
and yet people tell you this is the greatest British trainer that boxing has had. As if Brendan Ingle didn't exist, and Brendan Ingle had who? Naz, Johnny Nelson, Ryan Rhodes. Glyn Rhodes, for God's sake. Put Glyn Rhodes in that mix. Harold Graham. Kid Galahad. Kel Brook. Notwithstanding all the other kids who went through that gym like Ty and Booth, for God's sake. Brendan Ingle has an unbreakable legacy. Richard Towers put him in there. Brendan Ingle has an unbreakable legacy because he can show you people he took off the street and made legends of the sport. You can see his legacy in people like Dave Caldwell, in people like Chris Smedley, in people like Glenn Rhodes who went on to train and train damn good fighters themselves. Same thing with Phil Martin and you see his legacy. You see the legacy of guys like Oliver Harrison. You see these guys that build up these legacies because they took kids in off the street and made them special. Collie Hurston Mostyn Pat Barrett came in off the street. Then Pat Barrett took people off the street and made them stars. Everywhere in this country, you see guys who have really done this training thing. Adam Booth is not in that company. Because if Adam Booth were in that company, he'd have taken someone in off the street. And we haven't seen that. And the reason we haven't seen that is for Adam, this is a business. You plug into the Adam Booth brand and you go wherever that takes you. From what I hear, he doesn't do much of the training that happens in the gym. And that's understandable because he's had 20 years of doing training. You're not supposed to still be doing it. So he goes and he supervises and he gets involved when he needs to make adjustments. And we understand that. But then it... But then you wonder, if you're not on the, involved in the day-to-day, then what are you doing? What are you doing on fight night? What are you doing in terms of setting direction? And so it comes back to the point I made right at the beginning of this. Adam's legacy is more about moving the discussion about, around British training than it is about training fighters. Because there's nothing that he's done that's outstanding. There's nothing he's done in terms of training guys that's mind-blowing. You know, he couldn't take a Tommy Frank and make him Commonwealth champion. He couldn't take a Liam Cameron and make him Commonwealth champion. And I've kept one name off the list because I think he deserves tribute and respect in his own right. And it's about time we started to to give this man his roses. We're so quick to talk about Adam Booth because he comes on in his in his bomber jacket or his polo shirt with his salt and pepper beard and his cheeky little grin. And he has these really awkward interviews with Coogan Cassius where he hints at some dark conspiracy, but he refuses to talk about it. And all that sort of rubbish, man, that we're all quite frankly bored of, right? He does all of this stuff and the fans fall in love with it. And they go, my God, this guy's so intelligent. <laughs> oh, really? And we ignore. Maybe the smartest guy in the room, Joe Gallagher. I thought I'd just let you guys go, what? Huh? Yeah, send me your tweets now about how I'm talking nonsense. Three, two, one, and carry on. So, why do I rate Joe Gallagher? Here's why I rate Joe Gallagher. Number one, he's worked his way up the levels. 
right? So I'm always going to respect that. He knows what it is to work with the amateurs. He knows what it is to do the small hall scene. He knows what it is to do his apprenticeship. But here's what he did that was really smart. He looked at where British boxing was and he realized we're not a country for super slick, super skillful, flair boxers. We're not. We're bread and butter boxing. And Joe Gallagher said, my guys will be bigger, fitter and stronger and better at this bread and butter boxing than anybody else in the country. And then whatever happens after that happens. And Joe has plowed this furrow his whole senior career. And he's been more successful with it than anyone else has. If you had a kid, you'd sooner trust him with Joe Gallagher than Adam Booth. Let's not mess around here. Joe's done it repeatedly. He's done it with guys he's had from the start. He's done it with guys who've walked through the gym. He does it. Because he came up, he took kids off the street. This is how you learn to train. The kids off the street will challenge you to become a better trainer. Because they can take it or leave it. They don't have a contract with you. But when you get someone, and before you've even trained them, they've got to sign the contract, then it's a different relationship. So that's why for me, Adam's not the elite guy because he's not, he's never been a, an in-the-trenches guy. Don't forget, he took David to Miami so David could work with Ishmael Salas. There was a time when they wanted to get Lennox Lewis in as a consultant because he had seen Vitaly. When they were getting ready for the Vitaly fight, Lennox was meant to get involved in that. What sort of head trainer does that? It's a sign that you weren't ready for the role. So when I see people tweeting, yeah, just go to Adam Booth, Anthony Yard, go to Adam Booth, O'Hara Davis, go to Adam Booth, it's from people who are too stupid to understand what to look for. Because let's make it real, let's bring it down to, to why you guys are here. December 2018, I said, Avanesian will kill Josh Kelly. And I was laughed and I said, there's no version of Josh Kelly I have seen that beats David Avanesian. And every time they've made the fight since I've said the same thing, there's no version of Josh Kelly that I have seen that beats David Avanesian. Because here's a reality about boxing. A high activity style, yeah, a high energy style like Josh Kelly's will always struggle against a high intensity style yeah, like David Avanesian. Josh has got all the activity and all the energy burning stuff. David Avanesian's got the intensity, the suffocation. It's one of the reasons I like Ter uh, Errol Spence Jr. He does something similar where he doesn't let you breathe in a fight. So you have to work for every second. And if you're not fit, if you don't have courage, if you haven't prepared for that intensity, you're going to fall apart. So now, boxing Twitter, yeah, put your critical head on and go, Whose job was it to get Josh ready for that fight? Bearing in mind, you've had over two years to get ready for that. Is that not Adam Booth's job? Did Adam do everything he could? Did Josh do everything he could? Don't know. But we need those answers because it's interesting how Adam Booth comes on Sky Sports during the Warrington-Lara fight talking all sorts of nonsense about, yeah, 
you know, you've got to throw the towel in and so forth. Paints himself into a corner when Josh is in a similar level of distress. Now goes, actually, I've got to throw the towel in. Otherwise, I'm going to get pilloried on social media. And then does what Adam Booth normally does, right? I don't want to talk about anything. I'm going to disappear now. I've got my, quid, I've got my few quid off Sky. I've got all of this. Now I'm just going to disappear because I can do what I want when I want. And fans just accept that. You would never accept Adam Booth's behavior from Tunde. And before people jump in, this isn't a race thing. This is just a simple fact. You'd never accept it of Tunde. You'd never accept it of Joe Gallagher. He's allowed to get away with a lot because he's got this carefully crafted image. The guy's not that good a trainer. He has really good trainers around him. And I don't even think he adds that leadership or that vision on top of that. They can handle themselves. And so, if Adam's discredited as a trainer, the the next question people like to ask me is, well, who are the good trainers? And it's never that simple, guys. It's never as simple as who's a good trainer. And I'll give you an example. My friend Donald Smith, I think, is a hell of a trainer. I think intrinsically within him, he's insanely driven to be successful. And he can rub that off on his fighters. But you need a certain kind of person to get the most out of Don. Don needs someone who's like him, who's insanely driven and who's pushing him to be better. That's why him and Craig Richards gelled really well together. Now, if he gets someone who's a bit laid back and a bit loose with timekeeping and stuff, that ain't going to work for Don. But he's still a good trainer. He's just in a bad situation. Okay? But he's a good trainer. So he might be with that guy that's, that's laid back and that guy might get knocked out and people say, Don ain't shit. That's not true. He is. I use the same example with a guy like Joe Gallagher. If you suit how Joe Gallagher works, he will do wonders with you. If you don't, he can't do anything with you. That would be true for Glenn Rhodes. Excuse me, that would be true for Graham Everett. That would be true for Don Charles, someone I know personally. If you're not the right person for Don, he can't get the most out of you. And the list goes on. Chris Sanigar, um, guys like, you know, the guys at the Midlands, like John Pegg and so forth. Uh, Manchester, let's look at Jamie Moore. And we've talked about that. Let's talk about Peter Fury. If you're not the right sort of person, like if you look at Peter Fury, Peter Fury is bang on his fitness. If you're not like SAS level fit, Peter Fury is looking at you like, you're just taking up oxygen in this place. So you've got to be on your fitness to be around Peter Fury. Rob McCracken, you've got to be self-disciplined. He's not going to be up there checking your runs. But you've got to do him because he's going to test you. So are you that kind of person? But Rob, Rob, that could make Rob an amazing trainer like he is with Joshua because Joshua is self-driven and he's pretty much internally motivated. Same with Carl Froch. So McCracken ends up looking world-class. So all of these guys are good trainers if you give them the the resources that align with who they are as people. Where you struggle is where you get the mismatch. So Billy Joe with Adam Booth wasn't going to work. Eubank Jr. with Adam Booth wasn't going to work. It might just work with Mark Tibbs for Billy Joe. Eubank had to go to Roy Jones, someone who he unquestioningly respects. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he can get performances. Well, you know, the proof of the pudding's in the eating with him. But I say all of that to say that when you drop a list of top trainers, what are you looking for? Are you going to judge them on legacy? 
Because your top five based on legacy is completely different in this country. If your question is, who could you take any kid off the street with? Grab a kid off the street, walk him into a gym. Who do you want to be coaching him? If that's your question, who are the top five guys to do that with? Whew, that's tricky. So when you're looking at developing boxers and making someone into a champion, do you look at guys like the, the Stevens family down at Pinewood Star? Can't question who they've churned out over the years. I mean, the, the Azim brothers should be, I mean, they'll, they'll be threats in a couple of years' time, and you'll see. But they've got years and years of dominating the, the schoolboy championships. I also look at guys like Charlie Rumble Sr., Charlie Rumble Jr., Billy Rumble, that whole family there. I mean, they've got legacy across both Rumble's Boxing Academy, Eastside for an ex- to an extent, and St. Mary's as well. So they have records of producing really good fighters that have gone on to do, you know I mean, do really well for themselves. Do you look at Glenn Rhodes and who Glenn Rhodes has churned out over the years without question? Um, Grant Smith, he's got Dalton Smith at the moment. And I think that's probably, you know, good testament because obviously I mean, Dalton Smith is a kid, so he's had him from the, from the start. So maybe he's got something. People know I like Chris Medley in Sheffield for obvious reasons. You go across, you see guys like Nigel Travis and Jamie Moore in Manchester. But we need to see them with kids off the street. I know Nigel does a lot of work with Moss Side. Look at what Pat Barrett's done with Zelfa. Look at what he's done with Lyndon Arthur. These are, these are guys who are taking people in from zero and giving you guys you can see in the street. And in that conversation, you put Tunde in because Tunde creates. He doesn't just take. He creates from scratch. Well, relatively scratch, I should say, because I know people are going to say O'Hara was at Repton and Anthony Yard was at Leighton County and understood on, the, on all those points. You look at someone like Chris Sanagar, Similar thing with Chris Sanagar and the Empire Boxing Academy in Bristol. So there are loads of trainers who can make you a damn good boxer. The challenge is they're not Hollywood names. And you notice I left the names like Dave Caldwell out. Because Dave has no record of taking someone from zero and making them special. We, we thought that was going to be Anthony Fowler and he struggled with Anthony Fowler. How do you struggle with Anthony Fowler with the amateur pedigree he had? don't know i don't know the inner story but i know that he still hasn't got that that zero project so when you look at when you look at trainers the people boxers should be going to they don't go to i think more people should have gone to don charles do i think don charles is a better trainer than adam booth if you're a bigger guy yeah if you're a smaller guy, probably not so much so. But yeah, should you go to him? Absolutely. Should you go to Terry Stewart? Maybe. I'm not close enough to that one to know. But I like guys like Graham Everett. Like, you know, people don't give the Norwich guys enough shine, but I will because I think, you know, they're good trainers. And I'm saying all of this to say when you don't have the right trainer, Kelly Avanessian happens. There are loads of people who could have given Josh Kelly, even from his club, Bertley, there are loads of people who could have given him the support. Maybe Josh needed someone like Rob McCracken to train him and iron out a lot of the kinks that he's got in his arsenal. Maybe that's what he needs. 
But what he, I know what he needs for certain is he needs someone who's going to challenge him while making sure he's happy. Maybe he just needs someone to say, Josh, I care about you. I'm just going to put it out there. And actually, here's a name I hadn't mentioned. And it's an oversight on my part. But because Rich hasn't actually put his kids out on the amateur circuit yet, it's hard to, to talk too much. But anyone who's seen the work Richard Towers does with his kids in Rotherham will know that we're in for a coach who might just rewrite the rules. He might be the second coming of Brendan Ingle. Because what he's doing is special. I know people will judge him on what he does with Cash Alley, but remember, he's received Cash Alley. Had he had Cash from day one, who knows where Cash would be now? Which isn't to disrespect Cash, it's just to say that sometimes you meet a trainer and you go, I wish I'd had this guy my whole life. Rich is in that category. And maybe Josh would benefit from not having to traipse down to London and instead can spend time with Richard. Because the thing about Rich is, Rich is a deep thinker. I know he's six foot eight and about 19 or 20 stone now. But Rich, Rich thinks deeply. And he's intrigued by what makes people tick. And he might find something in Josh that he can bring out. So I'd like to see that. But overall, in terms of why British boxing struggles, all those great trainers I've just named who I think are amazing, you don't see in the media. You don't see on social media. You don't see on IFL. And Adam Smith doesn't talk about them unless he's forced to from his book of trivia. Fans don't talk about them. And that's the sad bit. All of these names you can throw into the mix, your Alec Wilkies, these guys never get talked about, but they're damn good trainers. They know the sport inside out. They know what you need and they can teach you. But they're not Hollywood. They're not media friendly. So people don't know who they are. And this is the fault of the boxing fan. You don't go digging. and You don't ask the right questions. Like, well, actually, what has Adam done? Because if you did, you'd be looking for names like Eddie Lamb and you'd say, Jesus, this Eddie Lamb's a hell of a trainer. Goes up and down the country, small hall, Wembley, it doesn't matter to Eddie. That's why I call Eddie's boxing, boxing's man of the year. Because he is. And every year, I call him boxing's man of the year. Because you see Eddie everywhere. He lives for it, he loves it, hell of a trainer, knows his stuff. And he's from the proper stock. Adam Martin, from the proper stock. Roy Connor, from the proper stock. Mick Guilfoyle, from the proper stock. You don't manufacture that kind of class. You don't manufacture that kind of insight and knowledge. Yet people want to talk about, go to Adam Booth, go to Shane, go to Dave Caldwell, go to this guy, go to that guy. And most people don't know what the hell they're talking about. And then this seduces boxers. So boxers end up selling their souls to these guys. And they don't go, oh, actually... Let me go with someone who I know can train fighters. I don't want to say this, okay? It's where I've got to give Sonny Edwards credit. Sonny Edwards said, Grant Smith has made me the best version of myself that I can think of. I'm sticking with him. We're riding this out together. And you've got to respect that. Because as opinionated as he is, and he is extremely opinionated, 
he's clearly smart enough to realise he has a good thing going with Grant Smith. And I quite like to see that. There's no need to change something that's worked. And I think Charlie's getting stuck in there as well. So that's good. That's, that's a step in the right direction for boxing. Let's just move away from this, this love affair with Adam Booth and this superstar trainer, Ben Davis, and that superstar trainer. Move away from that. As fans, move away from that. And start looking at who's producing guys who can box. Who's producing guys who are tough. And if you do that, your top five will be completely different in half an hour. But fans have to take ownership for what they do. Because what happens after a defeat? You jump down a fighter's throat, you jump down a trainer's throat, and you go, everything needs to change. Oh, man, how terrible was this trainer? Shouting lions in the camp, cheaters in the park, whatever. Not realizing that before you tweet that, you've got to ask yourself, okay, I don't think this trainer's any good. Who are we going to switch him to? What difference is that going to make? What are the implications for the fighter? No one ever asks these questions. We're so quick with our opinions about what's right and what's wrong. And often it's, wrong, it's, it's, often it's incorrect. It's factually incorrect. You know, I'd love, I'd love us to do this thing where you do like a trainer swap. And that for, for six months, we should have probably done it in lockdown when there were no fights. Everyone's got to swap trainers. See what happened? Look, look at the fan reaction when Josh Kelly got obliterated by David Avanesian in what they were calling a 50-50 fight. Six-round obliteration. Broke him mentally. Now, look at the reaction to Tunde Ajayi when Anthony Yard went longer than people expected him to against Sergei Kovalev in a world title fight. Now look at the reaction to Martin Bowers when Dubois lost to Joyce. No one praised Steve Broughton. There's a guy, a trainer that's massively underrated. The fans didn't, didn't cheer for him because he's not massive on the scene. He's not doing 50,000 interviews with IFL and, you know, the rodent and Michelle Joy Phelps and um, the sexual harasser Flexen. You know what I mean? He's not doing any of that stuff. But he's training someone and he's training a few guys, actually. You're going to see Big Steph come out, I think it's this weekend. And Steve Broughton's a hell of a trainer. Pedigree. He's proved himself now. He's come out of the shadow of the guys he came up under, Shane and David Hay. And fans don't talk about this. And as much as fans like to believe they make their own opinions up on things, they don't. They're all manipulated. Because they listen to Adam Smith and Adam Smith says Adam Booth is a dark lord. Okay, he's a dark lord. Yeah, go to Adam Booth. How many boxing fans go out of their, out of their way to work out who the good trainers are? How many boxing fans spend time in a gym observing a guy going, wow, he's really made miracles happen here? No one does. So when it comes to trainers, I think fans should just park it. Unless you know what you're looking for, unless you're actually going in to observe the day-to-day. 
because seeing what someone does on fight night doesn't reflect the hard work that's gone into up until that point. It just doesn't. And fans need to be honest enough to say, nah, I'm out of my depth on this one. But I also think, you know, there are strengths to being a fan and fans should be calling for for the fights they want to see. And when small hall boxing comes back and when Hennessy comes back and so forth, and all these cards get announced thick and fast in the second half of the year, which they will do, we might even have to get used to midweek boxing. When this all happens, I want to see fans get vocal about fights they don't want to see. Because promoters have had an opportunity to work out what the fans want to see, and all they have to do is give it to us. If fighters refuse to take the fights, eliminate them. If promoters refuse to give the fights, eliminate them. It's our eyes, it's our bums, it's our money that matter in this sport as boxing fans. If we keep supporting stuff we don't like, we're just going to get more of the same rubbish. And that's why it's on boxing fans now to start saying, we will determine what we're happy with and what we're not happy with. Not Eddie Hearn, not Frank Warren, not Steve Goodwin, not John Pegg, not Carl Greaves, not even Dennis Hobson. We are the fans and when we've been starved of a, a significantly enhanced boxing schedule, we just want to see fights. We want to see Chris Congo versus someone of his level, like a Josh Kelly. We want to see these fights. Now, by the way, I think Congo wins that. We want to see these fights. I want to see John Pilata versus David Adelaide. That should be made. Why hasn't that been made? Both guys are ready. I want to see Eubank Jr. in some middleweight action. Maybe if the Andrade fight falls through, put him in with Liam Williams. Let's just start seeing some fights that put a smile on our face again because we've had a rough time as boxing fans and we've had a lot of dross. And all we want is some good news. But as boxing fans, this is the only thing I'm going to say. Before you tweet it, just make sure you've thought of all the angles. Because it's so easy to say, change this, change that, get rid of this, get rid of that. It's so much harder to find a better situation. Because if one existed, then surely that's the boxing manager's job, right? <laughs> There's another discussion for another time. But look, guys, I'm going to tap out now. I think, you know, you've had a couple of episodes out of me. I'm cheating. I think I'm cheating the algorithm by doing this. So apologies for that. But yeah, spinal. But before I sign off, actually, I'm going to do something I've wanted to do for a while. And sometimes I don't get to, to shout out the people who show me love, um, you know, who message me and so forth. So first one I want to touch on is um, Winnie. So at Blessed With Work, does the best cards, like handmade cards and all that stuff. I know she was grafting away today doing some. So if you want a good card for Mother's Day, hit her up at Blessed With Work on Twitter. Um, yeah. Be as creative as you want with her. She can normally deliver against that. Absolutely brilliant cards. I've had a few of them bulletproof. Like they don't just blow over in the wind either. So they're class. Um, she's got a, an Instagram page, The Card King. But you have to search for that one yourself. So apologies for that. But yeah, by all means, get behind the movement on that one. Those cards are brilliant. I talked a lot about trainers. I didn't really get to shout out Sean Earls. And I know Sean Earls is, you know, hungry, dedicated, and he's learning his craft as well. So he's training Jemani Camaro and that's based on State of Mind Fitness. Um, really good guy, knowledgeable about boxing. I like him, very, very progressive. And I think when he gets a prospect 
with talent and experience in the amateurs, that's when we'll see the best of him. So no, you just got to shout him out. Also got to shout out Martin, Theobald and Andy. You know, people laugh when I say this, but when I wake up, I always check Martin's thing. If I want to know what's going on in boxing, I go straight to <laughs> New Age Boxing. <laughs> I always have to go straight to Martin and and just know what's going on because he has the he has the best take on anything when it comes to boxing. For someone who who generally looks so serious, he has a really cutting and sarcastic mind. So, you know, I've always got to shout out those guys. I miss doing the podcasts. And hopefully now that Boris has said that social contact should be unrestricted from June, we just might do a live show, people. So save your pennies. We'd like to do one, ideally, maybe an outdoor thing, get some booze going and just sort of celebrate being free. But I'm just talking off the top of my head, by the way. And then I'm going to shout out Porky and Riku as always like, you know, we're, we are the triangle of doom when it comes to content. You know, we, we like to poke holes at the system. Shout out to all the guys like Joe Citroni, Oxford United fan. Um, I'm not really. I just like the fact that two of my mates, Michael Alexis and Eddie Odiambo played. You know, we used to kick lumps out of them when they were kids. So we toughened them up, unlike the boxers of today. And, God, I don't even know who else is on this list. Shouts out to Brooke, man. Listen, we're all with you. Best wishes. I mean, hopefully you'll come through the storm soon and we'll see you back on the scene. But listen, Brooke is, you know, one of the voices of reason when it comes to the sport and one of the most authentic voices in boxing. You know, her journalism has been missed over the last few months for sure. I also have to shout out a guy that's been ducking this podcast since God knows when. So Dan Aziz, you know, Dan resolutely refuses to come on. I don't even know why, um, but he's got his shot in Dubai. So <laughs> I love the fact that <laughs> he may end up just staying in Dubai till June and not having to come back and quarantine. So he's been pretty canny in how he's played that. It's been, yeah, yeah, it's just been, I mean, I don't even know how to explain how I haven't got him on here, but you know, I might get him on with Denzel, if Denzel can persuade him. You know, the Peacock boys are very anti-me because obviously I ask questions about them. We also have to shout out guys like Simon Thompson, who's now, you know, becoming a porky regular. So he's getting his his taste of accountability in the public arena. Um, I'm probably going to stop there. Now, I'm gonna, every so often I'm just going to do this. this. The names are popping to my head. Uh, Dan Glozier, you know, keep hustling hard, keep pushing I mean, on the business front and mate, it's all going to come good. So give yourself a couple of years, but mate, congratulations on biting the bullet. But I'm going to keep doing this more often because I do need to stop and thank the people who who stand behind me resolutely, throwing Eddie Lamb and Adam Martin in there for being solid, you know, elder statesmen of the sport to me and good examples and people, you know, who've always, who've always set me straight when I need to be set straight. So thank you. But this isn't the only time I want to do this. Chris Medley. Um, I plan to you know, just pause and reflect and thank the people who have helped me get to where I am. So if I haven't got you this time, I will get you. I promise to God everyone's going to get the love they deserve because I do really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Violence is one type of fighting, fighting with somebody else All your mind isn't right, fighting with yourself Me, I've got a diabetes, man, I'm fighting with my health Because they got crazy money, look 
I don't define that as wealth, expensive costume every day, man disguised in himself, knew everything said they don't blend in, the opposite to self, can't look themselves in the mirror, wanna be somebody else, foul, red card, which means you leave the playing field, I know big man that's 30, playing still won't sign to none of these pop labels, I'm staying real, flow's a roller coaster ride, but vibe it wasn't made to thrill, just do you, I've been doing me, but don't change up your content to fit into the industry, cause it'll wreak havoc in your circle, cause you lying and no one can trust you, so there's nobody to turn to, 